we good? We good? Thank you, sir. Okay. Is everybody ready to go? Yep. Y'all go ahead and take these next couple of minutes as I get started to go to the bathroom and maybe uh, DoorDash something. I'm just kidding. We're about to eat in the word. Amen. Give it up for our sound team this morning. Not that they, not that they want the recognition, but uh, we love them. Give it up for our security team. Man, security is, is about just, man, keeping us safe, you know? Just, whoo, we live in a wild world, don't we? Give it up for our coffee team this morning. Yeah, you serve on the hospitality team. Raise your hand. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Woo. See, they're just they're just kind of like now, Pastor. Don't be don't be uh, highlighting us. And you know what? When 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 Jeremy, uh, <laughs> his mouth just went. He was chewing gum and it was going like this. I can tell you that that happens in my ministry a lot. People are like, what? Jeremy came here and he was at a he was visiting another church in town. And his his testimony was this. We're going to give it up for the uh, for the for the greet team in a minute. But his his word was is that he had been there for uh, well over a month, and only one person had talked to him. Now we say, "Oh wow," because that is like, "Good night." Like, what's wrong with you people, right? But can I tell you something? He came here. And he's never left. Now, it's, it's, it, 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 it matters of what we do when we encounter people here in the corporate assembly. It says, greet each other with a holy kiss. You know what he's saying? Look at somebody and say, it is good to see you. Wow. We get to do this together today? What happens is, is, is in our mind, in our subconscious, human beings have a tendency to drift back to normal. To drift back to status quo. We're in the process of revival. We're in the process of, of transforming our lives, our renewing our minds into this place of not an event-driven thing, but a, a thing that we actually carry 24-7. It's the awakening of God. But see, we human beings have a tendency to kind of drift back into la-la land. What I'm calling that is, is today's message is, is, is consumerism. May, I, may we never be a people that doesn't see other people. May we never be a, a people that doesn't intentionally prepare themselves for this, this kind of encounter, this kind of gathering, that we would just train ourselves and... and, and not train ourselves, but yet forget to come in here and not be takers only. 
takers only. Remember those jackets in the 80s? What was it? Members only. I had me a members only jacket in eighth grade. Y'all remember those members only? Lord, I, <laughs> I'm so old that the, 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 it's changed over into the 20s now. We're in the 20s now. But I was born in like the 1870s, the 1970s. So when you was in like, you was in like, you know, and it was like they were born in the 1870s. I'll be that person, you know, it's 1970s. May we never lose our wonder. The second you lose, you need a water? You good? You good? Everybody good? Because I'm about to get going and I don't want any distractions today. Are y'all ready? Woo! It's a new day. It's a new day. It's a new way. You understand what I'm saying? We're not going back to where we came from. There, I'll, I'll just I'll say this. This is be kind of a personal mix with a word and so on and so forth. If you are new, brand new to Freedom Church today, do not take what I say as applied to you. I'm applying this to the partnership of the church. But I am applying it to the body, so take what you want. But as far as us as a people group, we are not going back to where we've been. We're not. And the Lord has shown me that there's a slimming coming. There's a pruning coming. I don't, I don't really necessarily think that that means like, you know, God's going to prune you out of here. But if you will allow him, God will prune things in your heart. And I'll be honest with you, the next season of our, the next season of our church is going to be one of those where you have to actually lock yourself in and ready yourself for what's to come. Because let me tell you something, like discipleship, revival costs you something. So are we willing to pay the full price of revival? I'm talking about where we, where we come out of broken mentalities of what we know church to be. Yeah, he did all right on that one. Yeah, they were a little weak on that one. I could have did with a little less tambo today. Let me see what pastor's got going on over here. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. I'll wait and see. Wait and see. Hmm. Let's see. Huh. What have they got planned for the service today? Yeah, some of it's good. I'll keep half of it, but the rest I don't need. And we're a church that won't survival, but yet has a shopping cart mentality. Hey, guys. What's up? I shop at Target. <laughs> that means we go to First Baptist. No, I'm just kidding. That was bad. That was cold. We dollar general up in here. Y'all know what I'm saying? We Etsy up in here. We, want, we say we want to pay the full price of revival, but yet we're not willing to get actually in this thing. We're more comfortable picking and choosing what we want and what satisfies us according to our preferences that we actually have control of what we're buying and what we're allowing myself to come into. 
Now, now hear me out. Test all things by the Spirit. But I have been testing things by the Spirit, and I find nothing wrong with our church. Because let me tell you something. The fact that so many people are shopping these days, and, and the fact that so many people have, have, have relegated their, their, their church experience to a consumeristic thing is because they have failed to forget that their A is no perfect church, but there's a perfect God. No church is ever going to have it all together at all times. But when a church gets rid of this, don't break the speaker. <laughs> okay. When the church gets rid of that mindset of I come in here on Sundays can I ask you a question? Look around the room. Look around the room. Again, if you're new here, please hear my heart. You should know just about everyone's name. You should know. When we changed over from Central Baptist Church to Freedom Church, a lot of, of the previous generation of, of Central Baptist Church that were here, they would, I would hear people say, well, I, I just don't know anybody's name. I just don't. Are you waiting on someone new to come to your church to walk up to you? To introduce themselves to you, which is this is your church? No, ma'am consumeristic, right? I remember when we fought the worship war. When that piano right there, now where Taylor plays, there was an organ there back in the day. And we began to transition into more modern things. And I remember, you know, people would, would grumble. There was a man I heard about in one church is, is, is down in Houston. Me and Sharon know him. And, and, and he would actually just stay in the foyer until that, wor that modern worship stuff was over with. And he would come in and hear the message. The list goes on and on. We have, we have, we have relegated church to a shopping aisle. That's what we've done. And you're not really to blame. Actually, the, the kind of sometimes the church leadership is to blame, right? I, I, wanna, I, I want this so bad for my life that I want to break church consumerism out of my life. Because I don't want to come to God anymore and pick and choose what he has for me. I don't want to do that. I, I don't want to do that. Are you with me? My main point is this. Extravagant worship is not consumeristic in nature. It's, it's not consumed. If, if, if we're going to be a church, and we're going to look at this in just a second, you're going to see that extravagant worship is not consumeristic at all. Now, do you understand what I mean by consumerism? You're always, always taken. And when you don't like it, or when you don't agree with it, you take your party and you run. Because what you've realized, what you fail to realize is, is God wants your honesty. God wants your, 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 he, want, he wants your individual things. I believe that he's uniquely created us. We have people all the time that say, well, I, I don't want to serve there. Well, well, what do we say? Well, where are you going to serve? 
Because if you're going to be a partner in this church, you have to serve somewhere. So it's like, well, I know I'm not gifted there, so well, then let's find you another place to serve. Are you with me? Woo! He's spicy as a pepper. We need you, Lord, in this hour. We need you, Lord, in this hour to come and impart the truth that we need. Would you stand for the reading of God's Word and take your Bible out? Luke chapter 7. There's a Bible in front of you. You can take it home. You can mark it up. I'm going to prophesy that we're going to begin to be a Bible church again. Raise your Bible up if you brought it. The tablet, what? It don't matter. Now, if you don't have one, grab one out of the pew in front of you. And I want us all to raise this up. Because I want, I want us to understand one thing moving forward as a church. Just grab one. I know it's awkward. And, and if you're new here, you don't ever have to come back. I promise you. If I've made this so weird and, and weird, and you can raise your phone up. I don't care. But I want you to realize one thing. Raise this word up. This word right here is power for your life. Why don't we bring this to church on Sundays? Why don't, why don't we have a hold to this thing in the daily structure of our life and say, this is my bread? Can I tell you something? I'm prophesying a flip of spending time on Facebook and, and dead social media to this, this stuff right here. Hey, the old-fashioned stuff. Shara told me this morning, she says, Tim, are you, are, is this real? The, um, the metaverse is coming? I said, oh, yeah. People are already being baptized in the metaverse. It's true. People put those VR things on. Now, I'm, 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 I'm saying, I, I'm, I'm realizing that I am getting old. Me and Cheryl were like, are we getting that old? <laughs> Believe you me, those, you know, the VR things. They're putting those on and going to church and being baptized with those things on. I'm wondering what's going on. Has it gotten so bad? That we have made this thing so cheap. Now, and I'm all for getting people in the door. And I'm all for reaching people groups. So if they're gamers, they're trying to get. But I just don't see that working out in real life, authentic community. You know, where, you know why those things were invented, right? That people could have SEX relations without actually having intimate relations. What are we humans doing? Before you uh, uh yourself tomorrow. I'm just saying, like, let's get frustrated with our own self and say, you know what? There's some tendencies in my own heart. Come on, y'all. We're not going to settle for a cheap reality of church. We're not going to settle. I'm believing that you actually have to go in the water and come up. Like real water. <laughs> I mean, come on. 
Now, I'm all for just accepting Christ into whatever manner, but when we just start re replacement theology, oh, no, ma'am, no, sir. I, I got a problem with that. Anyway, hey, for watching online. Lift it up. Luke chapter 7, verse 36. This book is my life. So Luke, let's go to Luke. It's hard and to the right. Matthew, Mark, Luke in the New Testament. I've got page 1085. I don't know about you. Then one of the Pharisees invited him to eat with him. Who's him? Jesus. He, Jesus, went into the house. I'm reading out of the ESV. He entered the house and reclined at the table. And a woman in the town who was a sinner found out that Jesus was reclining at the table of the Pharisee's house. She brought an alabaster jar of fragrant oil and stood behind him at his feet, weeping and began to wash his feet with her tears. She wiped his feet with the hair of her head, kissing them and anointing them with the fragrant oil. Father, bless your word today. Speak to us out of your word today. Speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Number one, if we're going to break out of consumeristic mindsets, then we have to realize that we need to understand that extravagant worship looks unchurchy. Okay, let me, let me, let me make some points here. We settle for a church experience that feels and looks churchy. Now, what do I mean by that? I'm going to say this, that there's a big difference between what the New Testament church was doing and what our churches are doing today. Because when you look at what the churchy things are in the New Testament, especially in the book of Acts, you see a big difference and, and, and a big, um, it almost looks like some compromise has came into the room. Some negotiations have came into the room. So we went from a church that was filled and sealed in the Holy Spirit of God and we were born into our families and maybe you were a, a person who your family took you to church and, or maybe you were just one who found yourself in a church. I'm here to say this. We in churches today need to put everything on the table and say, does it line up with what God was doing in the New Testament? Does it line up? Because I feel like we will only settle according to what is allowed. We will live in the place of what is allowed and dictated and determined as what is churchy. Right back there, through the double doors. 2003. I was raised in a church where, where Miss, Miss So-and-so, you know, the, the church lady who was a little goofy, you know, she was a little too flutey sometimes, you know, it was like, whoo. You know, and, and, and she, would be, she would be the only one in the church sometimes that would be sitting there and she'd be touched by God. And the rest of us looked at her like, what the heck? What's that? Please put your hands down, ma'am. You're in a Baptist church. You know we all felt that time and time again. Well, the Lord began to work on my heart and He began to draw me in to a deeper place with Him. 
And I had to leave behind some churchy mentalities, some churchy mindsets that were dead and broken. And I began to be transformed. My sister Allison was up on stage that Sunday. This is 2003. There was no Hillsong United. There was no Maverick City music. It was amazing love. How can it be that you, my king, would die for me? All of a sudden, the song took on a personal language that I could actually say to him as well. And I walked through those back doors. I was late, by the way. The singing had already started. No judgment. It's all good. I've been there. I know what it's like. Now I have to show up on time. And I walked through those doors, and the Spirit of God hit me, and He says, what are you going to do about worship? And there was this place that God had to, to bring me out of a churchy experience. We are programmed Sunday after Sunday to come in this room, sit in, do the little thing, say the little amen, leave back out, and live the same life over and over again. Let me tell you something. Churchy experiences do not create extravagant worship. They don't. And so I'm trying to say this, that when I was back there and I just found myself and the Spirit of God hit me and I responded. The Spirit of God hit me and I responded. <laughs> That's the most powerful thing I'm saying today. Write that down. And the Spirit of God hit me and I responded. How many times will the Spirit of God hit you, weak Christian, and you'll just sit there and just dig your heels in? Don't quench the Spirit of God. Too many people, man, just grip their nails in. Sunday after Sunday, you might not be doing this in the Spirit, but you're doing this and you know God is drawing you. And God says, how will you respond to me? You're not a product of an incubator, cookie-cutter church. You're a product of the kingdom of God. That's who we are. We put names on these things. Names mean nothing. We are the believers who have been set free and filled and sealed by the Holy Spirit of God, and yet we sit back reluctant to follow Him because we are committed to our churchy experience. It's consumeristic. You, you, you didn't set out to come and just get, get fed. But you say that when you're frustrated. Oh, I'm not getting fed. It's not feeding me. Since when did you realize that that was the goal of the church? Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 44. And they committed and devoted themselves to the teaching of the apostles, to gathering together, to eating together, to praying together, and to take communion together. Preacher wasn't nowhere in that. You were. So that means, Brittany, you turn to Amber. And you say, hi, what's your name? And you turn to this gentleman right here. And y'all turn and you say, welcome to church. 
I'm so glad we get to be together today. Because I refuse to come out of places where I've been that don't work anymore. So what I'm doing is I'm intentionally now pursuing church in who I am. Amen? Can we today just break out of uh, consumeristic things? Huh? I am so sorry. They're going to kill me. Pause it right quick, Tim. I'm so sorry. I ain't even worried about action. (laughs) You laugh way too hard on that. If I were interviewing for a church and they saw the video of this one, some churches would say, nope, he's way too off the script for us. No, no, no. Let me, let me preach this out for a minute. They say, no, no, no. He's not our man. He's, he's way too, he fumbles too much. I'm serious. Do you understand what I'm talking about? This, this is all playing into the Lord's hands. Don't cast the devil out of that. That's the Lord speaking to us. Don't you come against the devil on that. That wasn't him. That's the Lord showing us right now. That all the while, yes, I do want to minimize distractions in this place, but we should, we should be in a place where it's so undefined by what we've always known that it's fresh every time we gather. Because why? You, you've refused to define your church experience by what you were taught and what you've seen. But you come to encounter this living God. Hallelujah. Mm. Man, they're they, they, they going to have a problem with this, with her worship. Why? Because it doesn't fit their mold. It doesn't fit their mold. We're asking for revival. First thing you got to drop, consumerism. How do you do that? Drop all of the churchy things. Extravagant worship is not churchy. It's ugly. It's messy. It's snotty. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine seeing this woman like with her hair, like, 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 you know, that's not for any human. That's not for any human leader. We don't do that to pastors, but yet we do that to pastors. We celebratize them. We immortalize them. And Jesus says, hey, that's a created thing. I'm creator. Worship me and only me. Now, I'm here to say this this morning, that they didn't like it. They didn't like it. They did not like it. We read on. She was, she, was, she was weeping and began to wash his feet with her tears. She wiped his feet with the hair of her head, kissing them and anointing them with the fragrant oil. When the Pharisee, now who's a Pharisee? 
a devoutly religious person that finds its blessing in the Lord by what they work and do. Modern day Pharisees are here today still. I went to church for you today, God. I fulfilled what you wanted me to do today, God. I paid my blah, blah, blah today, God. I did my one good today, God. And God says, I didn't ask you to do all that. I'm looking for worshipers, right? I'm not looking for rule followers. Hello? Jesus was a rule breaker, right? I'm not real good at following rules either. But he wasn't. He wasn't. He came and turned the tables of religion upside down. Ooh-wee. Praise the Lord. Number two is this. You have to release personal and traditional preferences and criteria. That's a mouthful. It would do you well to digest on that this week, to see where in your life you have preferences and traditions that you've held on to. See, because this is what the Pharisees were a master at. Do you know that we are masters of our own preference? Hallelujah. We are masters of our own preference, and we determine the criteria for what it looks like to worship and serve the Lord. (laughs) We do. We do this. I want you to see here. Everything she was doing went against what he stood for. All right? When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, I love this. Because <laughs> you know how when you see this weird thing happening in church and you, you don't say it out loud, you say it to yourself? Come on. It's like, I'll just address the elephant in the room. When, when Miss Nora came down last Sunday and touched Amber, Amber went down under the power of the Holy Spirit. You said something to yourself. Your mind said something to itself. And this is what your mind said to you, your heart, your spirit, whatever you call it. It said to you, oh, Lord, what is that? Ooh, I don't know what that is. I don't know if I trust that if she comes near me. Well, then she came down here to Zach, and I was praying for Zach, right? She came down here to Zach, and I'm praying for Zach. Zach's right here. Zach can testify. You can come. To, why, don't, why don't, instead of talking to yourself, why don't you come to someone who experiences and say, what happened? Tell me what happened. Then you would, you would not just, uh-oh, you would not just follow the pattern of your own stinking thinking. Are you with me? Because consumerism says you're just going to confer yourself, and that's it. Because in yourself, you've made your mind up on what you believe to be true about God. You better crucify yourself. So she comes over there and and touches Zach, and, and I'm just like, okay. And there he goes. And then she said, you want some of this? And I said, well, yes, I do. Now, my reaction wasn't the same as Daniel and Amber's. Why? Because I'm leading in the service, and God says, I'm, I'm, I'm shepherding right there in that moment. So he wasn't going to have me um, disabilitated on the floor. Does that make sense, Ms. Nora? I never got to tell you that. Does that make sense? But she has touched me before, and a jolt of spiritual something has jumped through me. Now, what am I saying? This Pharisee sees what's happening and and says unto himself, that goes against every rule that I have about God. You better be careful about making rules about God. 
Because when you make rules about God, you have relegated God to your God. And God is not your God. God is in and of himself. He was and is and will be to come. Don't mess with God. Don't relegate him to your own thinking. Don't relegate him to your own preferences. Don't you dare put a criteria on God. Holler back at me. No, somebody needs this. And we do it more than you think. Because the second God does something that goes against your own thing, you start talking to yourself. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Allison sings that song, Amazing Love. I'm back there in the back. Two thousand fourteen. I'm right here, kneeling on the ground. Mister Tommy walks this road all the time. He goes from up there, goes to the grocery store. He's a holy man. He'll stop by the church. One day he stopped by him and Mister Bell, and I said, "Would y'all come?" I was going through some things. I needed somebody to partner with me in prayer that would actually believe God would do what he says he's going to do. And let me tell you what happened. I, I got in this place, and, and I said, let's anoint our doors. And they prayed a prayer that when the prayer could be summed up like this. Listen to me now. When the people come in, they feel the presence of God. And then, so we got done praying over the place, and I felt real good about that prayer and anointing those prayers and, and establishing it, consecrating even this building that is lifeless, but yet it's a place that God has ordained as his. And I said, hey, <laughs> I said, would y'all pray over me? And they said, well, sure. So I came and I knelt right down here. And I got down on my knees, and I just had my hands up like this. And they touched me, and my mouth began to speak in other tongues. I could not believe it. I did not manufacture that to happen. I wasn't conjuring it up. I wasn't, I wasn't throwing a bunch of, but no, that was not me. I had, I had refused to ever do that. If you give me something, God, I want you to give it to me and not me to manufacture it. Now you, you're, you're talking to yourself right now, hearing me share this testimony. That's fine. But the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. The gospel of Jesus Christ has a power to it. We've settled for a powerless thing, wanting God for miracle signs and breakthroughs, but we will not allow him to burst our container. And, and, and I'm going to tell you something. It is virtually impossible to lay yourself down without catching yourself. You can't do it. I did it that day. God, come here, come here. Come here. Somebody come here. Two people, come here. Just real quick. I, I got to have you. Right? You keep videoing. I feel like it's important. Come on. One of you on this side. Come here, Caleb. Up here on the stage. Hurry up. Hurry up. Hurry up. Hurry up. Kids director's going to get mad at me. So I'm up here. Grab me, grab me right here and grab me right here. I'm up here and I'm doing this. And I want you just to lay me down. But don't let me go. 
because God didn't let me go. <laughs> but I got to prove a point gently. I'm, I trust him. Just like now, I trust God because God did not make that weird for me. And I'm sitting there praising and worshiping the Lord, and all of a sudden, I just begin just to, now lay me on down. I'm not kidding you. And I'm getting heavy now. I just begin to lay down. And God laid me on my face. It was the most supernatural thing that's ever happened. I can't explain it. I would only sign an affidavit and say, it happened to me. Well, show me that in the Bible. Okay. <laughs> Go to the place where the people were trying to capture Jesus in the garden. And when he turned, something happened to him, and they flew back without anybody even touching him. It's a power and a presence with Jesus that's oftentimes un definable according to your tradition. Listen to me. Guess what I did? I thought to myself. I thought to myself. See, I know this Pharisee. Thank y'all. See, I know this Pharisee. I know this Pharisee all too well because that Pharisee is me. And I thought to myself, and this is what I said, if somebody from Central Baptist Church walks in here and catches me doing this, are you clapping with your feet? Then go ahead. If somebody walks in here and catches me, they're going to fire me and get me out of here. Because the multitude was stronger, in my opinion, in the people who believed not that way. You got to hear me here, church. And my mouth immediately quit speaking in spiritual language. You will quench the Holy Spirit when you think to yourself. Listen to me, church. And I got up from that moment and I went and called Shara and I said, you're never going to believe what happened to me. And that afternoon, I came back in here. Nobody looking. God don't want you serving him in the darkness. <laughs> God don't. You won't break out of consumerism until you just live in the light. That's for you to think. You decide. You can judge me all you want, but judgment will come upon you ten, tenfold. Oh. Woo. I came back in here. I came to this, uh, these steps right here, and I, I knelt down at those steps, and I said, God, I'm sorry for letting men discourage me. I said, it's new to me. I don't know these things. What are you doing? But I said, I repent from being afraid of what man would think. You won't break out of consumeristic church until you give up what man thinks. You won't. Thank you. It's the truth. 
And I got there and I said, Lord, I understand if you never do that again, I deserve that. I deserve it. And the Lord said, Tim, hear me out now that what I'm doing in you, you have to trust me and never use it for your own glory or your own image. And he says, you can get up from here knowing that I accept you fully and I have called you into ministry. You can believe that. And I got up from there and I went on about my business. And I didn't try to force anything. About three weeks later, Riley was having some kind of little issues. And they were, they were uh, maybe she was pregnant with Riley or something. No, it was Riley was having some issues. And they were gone somewhere. It wasn't real big, but I, I felt the urge to pray. So I went into Riley's room at our home, and I knelt down. I have to tell this story because I want you to know it's real. And I got down on the little glider. You know how the pregnant women will get the glider, you know? And so I'm sitting there on the glider, and I put me a praise and worship song, and I'm sitting there listening. I'm just worshiping the Lord, and I just begin to call forth healing over Riley's life. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this spiritual language hit me like a ton of bricks. Real. 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 And I got done praying. And I did all the things. Riley was okay. And I got up in that moment. And I just learned one important thing. That when you meet God in the secret place, God will develop you in the secret place. The problem with consumeristic churches is they don't challenge you to grow in the secret place. Hear me, church. There's an underground thing that God is doing right now that he's, he's developing you in the dark room. You understand what I'm talking about? You take a picture on your phone, you instantly have the results. Back in the old days, when you took a picture, you had to take it into the dark room to be developed. God has us in the dark room, and he's saying, don't be afraid of this hour. Go into the underground places so that you are not a consumer of this thing anymore. You are a propellant and a proponent of this thing. Hallelujah. Am I making sense today? Number, number three is this. You've got to minister unto the Lord. Now, now I, want to, I want to point this out. Watch here. Some of you will withhold your worship by what you see other people doing that you don't agree with. No, no, no. Listen. There's a pharisaic property to all of us. Hallelujah. Jesus said, well, Simon, I have something to say. Some translations say this. I have a word for you. <laughs> Teacher, he said, say it. He says, a creditor had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. Since they could not pay it back, he graciously forgave them both. So which of them will love him more? Simon answered, I suppose the one he forgave more. You have judged correctly, he said, turning to the woman. Now, I want you to hear me right quick, church. Stay locked and loaded with me. He said, Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water. No water. 
You gave me no water for my feet. But she with her tears has washed my feet and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but she has not stopped kissing my feet since I came in. You didn't anoint my head with olive oil, but she has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, her many sins have been forgiven, and that's why she loved much. You love much. You love much. And your love manifests into worship much when you realize and keep before you all that God has done for you. Because let me tell you something. Man can't do for you what God has done for you. It's the truth. So we, I'm believing and I'm prophesying for this church here, is that we are not a church unto the Lord. We are a church for the Lord. For the Lord. When you come to this place, when you, when you think about your involvement in this place, I want you to begin to undo in your mind that we are here to minister to the heart of the Lord. Not unto the worship team. Not unto the preaching. We are here to minister to God's heart that we would have water and we would have oil and we would have these things for him because we have found in him much forgiveness and out of much forgiveness, much love and worship flows for him. See, she didn't come to take from him. She didn't come into the house of the Pharisee who probably had a lot of money. You know, I don't, I, how does she even get in there? I don't know because she was a woman of, of question. But she didn't come in there saying, ooh, la, la, look at there. Oh, man. Look at those hors d'oeuvres. Well, that charcuterie board sure looks good. Ooh, are these crispy donuts? Wow. Community coffee. I'm blown away. This church has it all. My kids even did a craft. <sighs> Give me more, Lord. Come on, Lord. Fill it up. Fill it up, Lord. Fill it up to overflow, Lord. I'm not giving you that because you won't use it. <laughs> Come on, Lord. I need my prayers answered now. Now, come on, Lord, get me out of this hole I'm in. He says, your shopping cart is empty. But it's full of the wrong things. She didn't have a shopping cart. She had. What did she have? She came to bless him. She brought. You say, I don't, Pastor, I, I really love this analogy. I love the picture. I love everything you're saying. But I just, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think I have anything that would be worth to give him. Go home and look in the mirror. Because that's what you were created for. You say, I, I want to tithe, but I don't know how. Jesus praised the woman who gave a half a penny and said she's given more than anything. Sh shame on us. Shame on us. Shame on us. Mercy be unto us, God. 
We gripe and complain, but yet we will not change. We point out all the problems, but we don't want any part of the solution. You know your church has a midweek Wednesday night service, but you refuse to attend because you are tired. And the reason you're tired is, is because your house is out of order. You know your church needs finances to support, but yet you're reluctant to give because you just don't know. Well, then find you a place that you know. Shame on you. Shame on us for taking and taking and taking and taking and taking and never giving and sowing into. Shame on us. We are a rotten generation. We are an entitled generation. We need a massive heart change. See, the complainers and the users, they're still welcome here. Because I, I truly believe, believe that this is a house where you, you can belong before you believe. But I want you to know something. We're not staying the same anymore. I'm putting together a survey over the next couple of weeks, and I'm going to directly give it to you. And if you don't give it back to me, filled out, I'm going to not consider you a part of this church. Because, see, I have a mantle on me. Well, Ron kind of dissed on the mantles the other day, but I have a calling on my life. Listen, I want you to hear me. I don't care if you're 74 or, or four. If, if you don't fill this survey out and give it back to me, I'm just going to consider that you're not wanting to be a part of what God's doing in this, in this church. You say, that's cold. No, it's not. It's bold. Because there's only one person responsible for your spiritual life. It's me. And for that, he's given me a pastor. There was no shepherd in the Old Testament that did not know everything about their sheep. Everything. Now, I'm not wanting to get the juicy details, but I want to know where you are in terms of your discipleship. And you know what? I just want an honest answer. Like, Pastor, I'm out. That's too much for me. Then may we have a place on our sometime where we can pray you into the next. Can I give you five churches in this community that I feel like that I, I would tell you this is an awesome place for you to be? I would, I would love to pray with you through that process to find you another church, but we are no longer going to be a church that sits back and doesn't lead in this way. Not going to do it. Because what are we doing? Do you see three guys? You, you may feel disconnected sometimes. Like, like, how do I fit into this? Let me tell you something. You are just like one of us. There, there is no difference. None. We're all in this together. But here's the thing. We are now on a course to live in all that God has for us. That's the truth. You can't tell me Paul didn't write with that authority when he wrote those letters to the churches. He wrote with authority. Why? You know, he scolded them in Corinthians, that first one. Ooh. You know why? Because they had some jacked up stuff going on. But can I tell you what he did? He wrote a second letter telling them who they are in Christ. He wrote a follow-up. And he says, that letter may have been hard for you to receive, but sometimes truth is hard to receive. But when you have opened up yourself to truth and you walk in it, son, God just comes back to you and just champions you and says, we can do this together. That's what we're doing. Bless the Lord. Shame on us, God. Have mercy on us, God. 
Not about being fed anymore. If you tell me that, that I'm leaving because I'm going to fed, I'm going to laugh in your face. I'm going to say, you missed it, brother. You missed it. The only place you're going to get fed is at McDonald's. Because they're, they're in the business to actually feed you. We're in the business to link arms together. And he gave some apostles, prophets, teachers, shepherds, evangelists. Why? For the building up of the church and to bring it into maturity. See, my survey is going to be geared around where are you and what do you need to work on in your life? And how can we gather the, the results and then say, this is where our church is lacking. Let's pump into that. Praise the Lord. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost all on there. Oh, not a hint. <laughs> Number four is this. You got to let go of following him when you feel comfortable and where you feel comfortable, right? You see this in, in chapter eight. Soon afterward, he was traveling from, from one town and village to another, preaching and telling the good news of the kingdom of God. Watch this, y'all. This, this really kind of blew my mind. The 12 were with him. And also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and sicknesses. Mary, called the Magdalene, had seven demons had come out of her. That was Mary who had just anointed his feet. Can I, can I tell you something? If you follow Jesus, it's not going to be the most comfortable place. It's not. Not going to be comfortable. But there's an eternal reward. See, we follow him in the scope of our life. God says, you better use your life to magnify and bring honor to me. Why? Because eternity is a lot longer than our life. Are you with me? Hey, Joanna, I love that all these women were there serving the Lord. The, the, the inscription above, it says, many women support Christ's work. Why? Because Christ didn't have a, an issue with women serving with him. But the church has. The women, okay. Maybe we have something to work on there. If you're married, your wife is co-laboring with you. She's pulling with you. Right? We don't lord over women in this church. Right? Praise the Lord. That was a side point. I, I want to I tell you, last Wednesday night, if you were here, it, you should come to Wednesday night midweek. You should get your life in order to where you come to midweek and support what's going on here and be a part. Because on midweek, this is really where we break out the vision of what's going on. I, at Wednesday night, I gave these out. And Caleb led one, Danny led one, Emily led one, Jesse led one, and then me and Peyton kind of co-led one. And at tables, we gathered together and we answered these questions. And when people came in, they saw tables instead of rows. And the Lord spoke to me and says, a church that gathers only in rows never faces one another. But if they gather in circles, then they'll learn something else about somebody. So we gave these out and people filled them out. And, and, and I didn't even ask for it, but Emily and Jesse gave me feedback on what everybody was saying. And one of the questions on here is this, is that, is that what makes consumeristic churches so appealing? Your number one answer, it's easy and there's no commitment. <laughs> I can just come in and come out and do the dang thing and be entertained and feel good about JC, homie boy, and move on. JC, homie boy. Because that's how he is. You know, you know how it goes. There's no accountability. No accountability in, in consumeristic churches. None. 
unseen, under the radar. No work, easy. You just come and get filled. It's a concert. All ages, no events, no relationships. People just go where people are. I read that and was like, people go where people are. No, it's true. I like that. That's fine. I couldn't read that one part, though, Jesse, your handwriting. Um, I don't know, but I know it's good. Very temporary. A new church makes it easy. It's a social event. Without any judgment or condemnation, have you broken free from being only a receiving Christian? Number five is, what would it look like to make a next step commitment out of consumeristic tendencies? You can take a screenshot of this later at the end of service and go and, and work that out in your life to see kind of what God is doing. Second Timothy 4, 3 through 5, it says this, for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. Can I get that? Anybody? Allison, we have a let me read that right quick. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching but have itching ears. Why? Because they only want to hear what they want to hear. Commit this to memory, church. Commit this to everyday living of I will not be a person who just has itching ears. They will accumulate for themselves. They will watch this, church. They will accumulate for themselves. You have the form of godliness, but not the power thereof. For themselves, teachers to suit their own passions. I only listen to this person. I only listen to that person. That's fine, but are they challenging you? Well, turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into miss homosexuality. We don't take a pass on that. We have, to, we, have to, we have to take the hard things and we have to talk about those things. Because what happens is, is these things attack certain things, foundational things that God has put in place. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Whose ministry? Your ministry. What's your ministry? The survey is going to help you find what your ministry is and where you are in terms of walking in that. Hello. Leonard Ravenhill says this. It's staggering. Isn't it staggering when you think that one sermon on the day of Pentecost produced 3,000 people? One sermon. And we have some cities yesterday where 3,000 sermons were preached and nobody was saved. And that doesn't even phase us because that has become the normal routine. My dad told me after he read the Welsh Revival, Evan Roberts, he told me this, looked me in dead in my eyes, and he said, Tim, he said, there were times when I would weep in bed at night when no one got saved. Are you, are we? No, I'm lukewarm. I've been lukewarm through 2020 and 21. But thanks be unto God, his merciful hand is on me, igniting a fire back in my life. It's the truth. I can admit that. I can admit that. 
I can admit that. In this place, you can admit what you struggle with. You can admit that, yes, I have lukewarmness, and there will be no judgment because no one can stand in that place and say, oh, I'm a perfect Christian. I'm on fire all the time. Bull garbage. The church used to be a lightning bolt. Raven Hill continues. Now it's a cruise ship. We're not marching to Zion. We're sailing there with ease. In the apostolic church, it says they were all amazed. And now in our churches, everyone wants to be amused. The church began in the upper room with a bunch of men agonizing. And it's ending in the supper room with a bunch of people organizing. We mistake rattle for revival, commotion for creation, and action for unction. Pursuit week, two weeks ago, by day three, I had to kick myself out of bed and get here. Why? Because I wasn't conditioned for revival. I wanted action, but I didn't have no unction. But by day Friday, something began to shift over me. Saturday, Sunday. You see what I'm saying? We're not equipped for the battle. We're not equipped for revival. Because even in the context of this, I know what, I mean, yes, customarily I'm running over. But who put those constraints on us? We did. And for that, there's a, there's a sense of, 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 of our attention begins to wane and we begin to get tired. I would rather you get up in your pew right now and just, just kind of do this. But don't just, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I would not have any issue with that. I would just be like, good, wake yourself up. Stir yourself up in the Lord. I'll, I'll read that one more time. <laughs> In the apostolic church, it says they were all amazed, and now our churches, everybody wants to be amused. So to break this lukewarm, consumeristic nature out of us, we need admonishment and the measurement of the word. And for this, I I close with Acts 1, 6 through 8, and here it is right here. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. See, what they were trying to do in that, let me break that down expositorily right here quick, is that they were trying to understand and see that the kingdom of God was going to come through a governmental kingdom. God does not work through governmental kingdoms. It's big. And I'm, I, let me go as we have made kingdoms into church kingdoms and we trusted in church kingdoms. And by all means, there are some church kingdoms out there. Whew. I mean, wow. But have we missed it somewhere along the line? Have we, have, are we asking the right questions? Are we seeing this from the right perspective? And this is what he said. He says this, he says, he says, if you're going to shop, <laughs> if you're going to receive anything today, I want to give you power.
Our God is a consuming fire. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. I, 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 I'm, I'm, yep, I'm 100% certain that's what happened to me. The Holy Spirit of God touched my life. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. See, there you go. So you have to push this away and you have to say, if the early church was started in that manner, then I don't need a church experience. I need power. Why? Because he's called me to be a witness. Power. Open invitation, but yet strong mandate would be to come this coming Wednesday night if you want to be activated in the power of the Holy Spirit. That our Wednesday night service would be, I just want to see who's going to show up and who's, who's really willing to be a part of this. So that we would be activated and touched with power of God so that we would be a witness for God. And then in the weeks to come, I, I want you to consider with me ways in which you can break out of this mindset. Are you with me? I want to. I want to. I want you to. Uh, I want you to. Um, I want you to continue c- consider praying this with me. So I, I want to say that, that altars, tents, and wells are what we're going after. And normally I would have preached a, a missional message on what that means. I've kind of tipped on it just a little bit and tipped on it a little bit, but it's, it's seriously something I'm considering on carrying the entire year forward. But, but the Lord showed me today, he says, altars are built, tents are erected, erected, and wells are dug, not by spiritual consumers, but by spiritual worshipers and witnesses that these are the people who are the engineers. They don't wait, they build. They're kingdom engineers. This is, I'm truly believing that this is our year for more. For more. Not stuff. Not goodies. Him. Power. Power. When's the last time the power of God has hit you? Are you okay with that? Can we even call ourselves believers without being filled with power and being a witness? Like, is that even a thing? I don't know if it is. You you and I will justify ourselves out of a lot of stuff, and we need to stop doing that. Father God, I'm going to read this. And again, you can come take a screenshot of this uh, down here as well if you want to. I'm going to take every day this week and I'm just going to pray over this prayer for my life. Because there's some stuff in this prayer that if you mean it, it's going to cost you. I'm ready. Father God, I want to receive the power you give in the Holy Spirit to be an extravagant worshiper and a witness to the world you created. You could take that on Monday, <laughs> just Monday. God, help me to, I, I want to receive the power. 
I want to receive the power. Hallelujah. And then you could, you, could, you could start to break it down. And you could, oh man, you could say this. I renounce the lukewarm spirit over every part of me. <laughs> I renounce the lukewarm spirit over every part of me that wants to sit comfortably in the pews. I desire a real transformation that leads to everyday kingdom living. I trade in the shopping cart mindset for a life of discipleship, Jesus. I want to live so in love with you, Jesus, that worship for him flows into dead places. Caleb was over. Because a few more people showed up. Hold on, keep it quiet just a little bit, Kyron. Because I'm still going to show that video. But Caleb, we went to the washeteria. And just met people and talked to them about Jesus and their life. When's the last time you talked to someone about Jesus? You did it. You did it. Holy Spirit, gracefully. Ooh, I had, when I wrote this, I almost backspaced over it. But I said, if I truly want to live in resurrection power, then Holy Spirit's got to wreck my life gracefully in order so it can be rebuilt on the word of God. See, see, that came out of my heart. I didn't have to read that. I already know what that says. That's my prayer. Holy Spirit, I'm saying, gracefully wreck my life. Tear down every idol. I just hear somebody needs to delete some apps. Turn the TV off. Too much noise in your house. Too much noise in your life. Holy Spirit, gracefully wreck my life in order so my life would be rebuilt on the Word of God. So this is me telling you that I'm no longer going to live a culturally influenced Christian lifestyle. Oh, help me do this in Jesus' name. Amen. Roll that video, and then we're going to have a moment of worship. And so, Jesus, if you're in this room, I just want to fall on my face and worship you. And I don't care who's watching. I brought you a gift of worship, you know. And as I'm praying, going, God, what would you want? He wants all of us coming here tonight Come on. like that woman. That's what he would love. You don't care who's sitting next to you. You don't care who else is in the room and what they think of you and how they view you you're just so overwhelmed by him you're still so blown away that you just want to fall on his face and worship him you know you think about those wise men that sought him out you see we have an opportunity as i was thinking about what john and i were praying about last week it hit me a couple nights ago i woke up like four in the morning and with this thought like we have an opportunity like right now our generation we could be the ones starting now to put an end to this whole consumer mindset of church okay that that we come to a christmas eve service or we come to a sunday service or we come to any type of gathering and 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 we we critique and we walk away going, 
Yeah, the sermon was all right. Yeah, the music was a little loud. Yeah, I don't, I don't really like that one song. Like, when did all that start? <laughs> Seriously, when people would walk out of a room and go, yeah, I didn't like worship today and think that's an okay thing to say. Like, can we just kill that? Can we be the generation that says, you know what? Who messed this thing up? I don't know when it started where we just started saying, hey, what do you guys want? What would you like? Oh, you didn't like it? We'll fix it next week. And go back to, I came, I don't care who's in the room, I came to pour out everything to Jesus. I didn't come here to receive from you or someone on this stage or to critique the person on this stage. I came to adore him. You know, I can't picture those angels in heaven. It says, you know, day and night, they, they just stare at him and they never stop saying, holy, holy, holy. I can't picture those angels walking away going, man, worship wasn't that good today. You know? And our whole prayer, right, that we learned was, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. See, in heaven, God's not up there saying, okay, how can I entertain you during a worship service? In heaven, everyone's focusing on the throne and go, man, it's just amazing to be in your presence. What if we were the generation that actually got excited just to worship him again and actually showed up with a gift and said, God, I came just excited with this gift of thanksgiving, this gift of worship, this gift of encouragement to other people. Karen's going to lead us in a song, and I want to invite you to come nail something to the cross. You may have come and you've seen, well, that somebody had did that. You may have you may have been one of those person that was here on that Wednesday night where we did this, but I mean, self-loathing, nail it to the cross. Failure, nail it to the cross. Fear, marriage and pride, addiction, control. See, all of these things inhibit a life of real transforming worship, extravagant worship. Can you imagine Jesus in the room right now, right now, right now, and him still saying, all who are weary, come, and I will give you rest. Hallelujah. Could we lay something down today and pick up hope today? Pick up faith today? Pick up joy and peace today? So as these things, you can come and take a post-it note as the Holy Spirit leads you. Maybe you just need to come and pray today. But I'm telling you what, the thing gets going by when we get on our knees. On our knees. Come on, in Jesus' name. Receive your worship, Jesus. Receive your worship in Jesus' name. Amen.